So I want to uh, go right to the book of Micah, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And I just want to talk to you about having a biblical worldview and um, the miracle of a biblical life. You know, if we do what the Bible says, we're going to get biblical results. And sometimes they'll talk about describing a storm. You know, like there's supposed to be a northeaster that's going through the east coast in the next couple of days. And we pray the severity diminishes in Jesus' name and lives will be protected. But they talk, uh, even, you know, newscasters and uh, uh, meteorologists will say it's of biblical proportion. Have you ever heard that, you know? Like they'll talk about a movie and describe it as of, it's an epic it, biblical proportion. And, um, but God really actually wants your life and mine to be of biblical proportion. Where, you know, we read scriptures and we say that God is our God. And um, that's, in fact, the whole essence of why these scriptures were written for us in earlier times. It says in the book of Romans that the things that were written in earlier times were written for our instruction. Uh, So this is the instruction manual. And these things were written for our instruction. Uh, so we would have a, a, you know, a direction as to what to do. When I first got married, I was clueless. I had never, you know, I was a young man. I'd never experienced marriage. Um, you know, I, I went to the Lord and said, God, I, you know, I've never done this before. I've never been there before. I've never, you know, when I, we first had our kids, it's like, God, I'm, I'm going to be a parent now, and I've got to be a dad, and I've got to be a father, and I need you to show me. You're a heavenly father, and you're excellent. So I'm going to hang, if you don't mind, I'm going to hang out with you and learn your stuff, right? So in the book of Romans, it says, for whatever was written in earlier times, this is chapter 15, verse 4, was written in earlier times, was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Boy, I hope you're hopeful tonight. I hope your hopes are undaunted. I, I hope you realize that of all the people on the planet, if anybody has the right to be optimistic, it would be a Christian who has received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Seriously, because there's hope in your life. You know, he is flooding you with, with this God kind of life, and he's come to give you healing. You know, I was just texting somebody who couldn't come tonight because they're dealing with symptoms, and they, they quoted Psalm 103, He pardons all of our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. Amen? And, uh, you know, it says here in verse 13 of chapter 15, I told you to turn to Micah, so some of you are probably wondering why I'm over in Romans. But I'm, I'm in Romans to tell you why we're going to Micah. Those things that were written in earlier times were written for our instruction. Okay? So, Joe, the reason I'm reading this to you is because these things are written for our instruction. So that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might just stay in the game all the way to the end. I love that the song that they sang, Lisa led us in with, uh, you went the distance, you finished strong. Um, you, you gave your all, you know, and, they, and, and that's, that's what God wants. Those are his aspirations for us as well, you and me as well. Verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all Melancholy and depression. No, it doesn't say that, does it? 
May the God of hope fill you with all blasé, bland mediocrity. Does not say that. May the God of hope fill you with just a below average lifestyle. No. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing. Why? So that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So now let's go to the book of Micah. And I want to read this because this, this was prompted in my spirit. And uh, the Lord, he, he insisted I write it down in my notebook. So I wrote it down. Micah 6, 8. And um, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. The, 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 this Hebrew prophet Micah was being, getting a directive from, from the Lord. And he's told you, he's told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Three things in Micah 6, 8 that explode off the page. Number one, to do justice. Number two, to love kindness. And number three, to walk humbly with your God. So this is the foundation of the miracle of a biblical life. It's, it's about him. It's oriented toward him. It's, 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 it's preferring what he wants us to do. It's not us independent from him doing our own thing. It's us pursuing him. And he says, and he's told you, oh man, what is good? What does the Lord really, what is he after? What is he looking for? And in this verse, it's three things, justice, kindness, and humility. Justice means to be just in our behavior or treatment, fair treatment, uh, to treat people. It, it's an Old Testament um, golden rules. It's golden rule stuff. It's, it, it's do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Remember when I was in... Uh, a young kid in the 60s, there was a T-shirt that said, do unto others before they do unto you. Anybody remember that T-shirt? It was, a, it, was, it was, I don't even want to describe it. It was just, it was popular. It was, it was, it was nasty. And uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive sang a song, looking out for number one. That's me, you know, and that, that, that's, the, that's the flip of it. I'm sure they're being facetious. But, but that was kind of the, that's kind of the, the norm of the world. It's all, it's all about me. I think about this uh, rock star that came out uh, years ago, Marilyn Manson, and he was putting down uh, charity, and he was putting down uh, magnanimity, and he was putting down uh, those kinds of things. He was trying to flip everything, you know, just to be provocative. But really, you know what the Lord wants. He wants us to treat people right, right? He wants us to do justice, do the right thing. And... Uh, you know, and the Bible's full of examples of that. And we're going to finish in Romans chapter 12 and look at a real practical layout of, of how-tos in our biblical life that will create biblical results. How many of you want to see breakthrough and not breakdown in your life? How many of you want to see answers to prayer and not just a dead-end street there? How many of you want to see people get healed, the stupid pandemic end? Gas prices get better, the economy heal, nations come to the Lord, right? We do want to see that. We want to see marriages enriched. We want to see our kids serve God and have a heart for God and live out to be super old and really enjoy life, right? Yeah. Want to see the church, the body of Christ really thrive. God does. So do justice. To love kindness, the quality of being friendly, 
generous, and considerate. Um, there's some unfriendliness that I've seen recently, some, some uh, stinginess, some inconsiderateness in the world. And so we got to hunker down on this. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another, right? So that's part of, that's what Pastor Patsy and I want to see for, this, for our local church here. One of the hallmarks we want to see, one of the signature DNA elements, a component of our church would be uh, where we really care for one another, genuinely love one another, right? We're happy to see each other. We miss each other when we're gone. We pray for each other when we think about each other, right? And then that kind of atmosphere is conducive for God to add to the church daily those who are being saved. So, and it's all in the context of walking in humility. It says in the last part, and to walk humbly with your God. And I looked up the, in the dictionary, it's living in such a way that shows or suggests a modest or low estimate of one's importance. Now, not to be confused with low self-esteem. Um, this is not self-deprecating, belittle, self-belittlement. Um, that's, that would be humble. I thought that was good. I got that from my friend from New Zealand. They're ornery in New Zealand. They could say that kind of stuff. God doesn't want us to be humble. He wants us to be humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And what that means is, God, I, I can't detach from you. I desperately need you. I need you in the little, medium, and big things of life. And I am never going to forget that. I'm going to keep going to you. I'm going to keep relying on you. I'm going to rejoice with you when things are really great. And I'm going I'm to rejoice with you when things are grim and rough. Uh, in everything, I'm going to give you thanks because that's your will for me. In Christ. Now, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So, you know, let's polish off your, your, your low self-esteem. Let's get the dust off of that. And let's believe, God, that you're going to have an awareness of the grace that's given to you. He says, for through the grace given to me, Romans 12, 3, it says, for the, through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith or a measure in the faith. Young people, listen to this. God's given you each a measure in the faith, and he's given you a measure of faith. You all have a measure. You all have gifts and talents. You all have resources. You're young, and you haven't experienced a lot of life, so this is new for you. So you're just going to have to trust me on this as I tell you. You have a destiny. You're made in God's image, male and female, he created you, and he told you to be fruitful and multiply, and that whatever you put your hand to will prosper. You can trust that. You know, you got baptized last week. Did your parents get baptized too? Your dad did. So, I mean, that's generational, you know, it's, a, it's, it's household, and, but you're right here pressing in on the front row. You're hungry for God, and you're going to get what you're after, because blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And as peculiar and as crazy as our world is, if we do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord, it's going to bring honor and pleasure to the Lord. And he's going to be happy with that. And we're going to see some great outcomes. Yeah. It is very important uh, going forward uh, how we treat other people and how we behave. It's, it's going to be very important that we walk in the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness is not... Nice niceties. It's not superficial 
like the, like the church lady on Saturday Night Live when Dana Carvey said, isn't that precious? You know, that kind of thing. That schmarmy, superficial, syrupy behavior, that, that's, that's not going to help the world. Uh, kindness is actually a power. Kindness emanates out of the new birth. It's not something that originates in self-actualization hype or help, self-help from human, a human uh, place. Um, you may have learned some manners, and I would say the best of our Western civilization is a Judeo-Christian foundation. And the enemy's chipping away at it like crazy, and, uh, but we yet have to continue to stand uh, uh, on these um, tenets and go to, back to the Word of God and, and, and discipline ourselves. You know, Ned Flanders is annoying to, uh, um, what's, what's uh, Homer, Homer? Because he has abs. And he has that amazing 70s mustache. It, it just bothers Homer. You know, and he goes to church and he loves God and he's real high diddly do neighbor, you know. And, uh, you know, I know there, I, I've talked to some of the guys that work for the Simpsons program. They're cynical, backslidden Christians is what they are, and they're really smart. And they know all kinds of stuff, and they're a little bit jaded, but they're coming back to the kingdom. Right? And uh, everybody say, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with the Lord. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 12, and we'll just finish up there, because I want to lay this foundation to you, um, because Paul talks about uh, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your minds. It says in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to the, this age, this eon, this era. You know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but the world is passing away in all of its lusts. There's a difference between the world and the earth. The earth with the continents and the deep oceans and the mountains and all the animal life and the beauty is a phenomenon. The world system, particularly resisting God that, that doesn't include God, is corrupt and all mixed up. And he says, don't be conformed to that, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The best route to go, you know, and this is the question with Micah, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? He said, he's told you, oh man, what is good. And, and here's what the Lord requires of you. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. Be a, be a doer of the word. And in this case, do not be conformed to this world, but do be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, there's an ad. I think it was the Negro College Fund is what they called it back in the 60s. And it said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Right? That etched in my brain because I was in school and I thought, my brain apparently is something special and I don't want to waste it. And in the scriptures here, um, developing a renewed mind, like it says in Ephesians, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Just the idea that we can have mind renewal is exciting. 
And uh, Dick Mills said this. He said, the brain of modern man has been compared to a com complex computer. Information is constantly being fed into it, uh, uh, each occurring incident in life being stored away in its inner recesses. So this is hardware, and thoughts are software, and we can download and, and, and garbage in, garbage out, or, or life in, life out, right? And um, he said he'd keep us in perfect peace if we kept our mind on him, it says in Isaiah 23, 6. And um, is it 23, 26, 3? But here... Uh, it says, be renewed, be, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I get you just for a moment. We're in the information age. We have access to so much, our, our phones, we can just, we can, we can get on a search engine and just find out just about anything. You know, I, I, I looked, my wife said, you know, where is uh, Crystal City in relation to here? So I, I punched it in. And it's 45 miles south of here, you know, and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that. And then I looked on the map and it showed you go to 55 and then you go down to this other road. And it, I mean, it, it just um, immediately, I used to go to the library and annoy the librarian. And now we've got basically the Library of Congress times 10 in our pocket. But we also have this holy book called the Word of God that is forever settled in heaven and is, is fuel and spiritual nutrition uh, to help us not to be conformed to this world, but to, in fact, help us to truly be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we humble ourselves. We, we realize that there is a many-membered body. This prevents us from comparison drawing and competition. It helps us to see that we all have a function, uh, in verse 4, it says there are many members in the body, but yet not all have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Isn't that worth celebrating? It's amazing. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of our faith, if service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now there are distinctions and then there are also generalities. We're all to be apt to teach, we're all to be generous givers, we're all to be pursuing exhortation of one another, we're all to be uh, desiring earnestly to prophesy, uh, but then there are distinctions in the body of Christ. So there's, there, there's so much breathing room and so much ebb and flow. It's fascinating, isn't it? And then it says this, verse 9. I want to read verse 9 to you. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now, love is the big deal tonight. Faith works through love, it says in Galatians. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says love controls us. In Ephesians 5.2, we're exhorted to walk in love. In 1 Corinthians 13.4 through 8, it gives love's description. It's patient and it's kind. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. In verse 5, it says, it does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, and is not provoked, and does not take into account a wrong suffered. Whoa. That's what I really want to land on. We're going to get our minds renewed 
and we are going to purge ourselves of any resentments in any direction, with anybody past, present, or even future anticipation. We're going to walk in love. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm a love creature. Look at somebody else and say, my, my, I ha you, tell them you have a hide like a rhinoceros, and, but yet you have a heart like a dove. You always wanted to say that to each other, right? Have you ever, you ever thought you'd go to a church service and the pastor would have you tell somebody they had a, they, they, they had a tough, you, gotta have, you have to have thick skin in this life, but you also have to have a tender heart, right? So we're trying to figure this out, always learning what is pleasing to the Lord. And uh, Romans 12 is love exemplified. We're going to look at this just in a moment. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So love is important. Valuing others. Uh, through the course of our lives, I think, you know, they always ask people, what do you want to have on your tombstone? You know, well, that he loved God or she loved God and loved her neighbor or loved his neighbor as himself would be a fine tribute. It'd be a great target, wouldn't it? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love needs to be authentic. It needs to be genuine. We need to mean it. People could tell when we mean it. Number 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. See how important love is? It just keeps popping up. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. In my margin, and I love this, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. Um, I think if we study, do a word study on honor, respect is a, syn a synonym for honor, um, valuing the people we're around, um, it'll change the, the tone of the world we're in. Just figuring out what is honoring to God. Faith, faith honors God. Faith pleases God. The love walk is big signature item stuff in the culture of the kingdom, right? So, but just the exhortation to outdo one another in showing honor, I've taken this to heart in my marriage relationship because my wife is really throwing it down when it comes to being a, a, a a, a, a kind-hearted, honoring person. She's, she's, a, she's, if you know her, I mean, she's really developing that, you know. And I, and I intend to try to, to beat her <laughs> in that. Beat her. Beat her didn't sound good. Didn't sound like a good word choice. I want to win in that competition. How about that? That's terrible. I'm, I'm sweating right now with what I just said. That was a terrible choice of words. But I do want to outdo her in this. There, there you go. I want to outdo one another in showing honor at work. If you, if you figure out how to outdo one another in showing honor and show respect um, and just kind of cultivate an inclination toward that, how can I honor people? You know, I never did get to tell you. Um, who, who, today I wanted to, 
I told my family, I want to contact this particular research scientist doctor who spoke into our lives years ago. And I want to, I want to talk to her. And I want to, when Addison was dealing with a terrible uh, uh, physical attack, and just how the lady helped us. She cried with us. She was clear with us. She was so, and I don't want to just go so many years later and ignore it. I want to go back and find her and honor that. Because we go, I remember when you did this in 1971, and I'm still mad at you about it. So we need to go, hey, wait a minute. When you were awesome, I just want to thank you for being awesome that, that one time. One time you were awesome. My wife was getting her fingernails done, and uh, my daughter, my granddaughter, Lyric, was with me, and we walked, my, my wife, trying to outdo and honor and take care of people, hey, go take her and get something, a bagel or something at the bread company. So there's a bread company across the parking lot. So we walked over there together, and she ordered a, a bagel, and they said, sorry, we only have blueberry bagels. And she, this little five-year-old's heart sunk. And then they said, well, we do have one with everything on it. She goes, I just want a plain bagel, Papa. She calls me Papa Jay. Papa Jay, I just want a plain bagel. So she saw the situation. The girl went back and ran around. She said, I found one. <laughs> yes. So I said, you want a toasted? Yeah. Do you, do you want um, uh, cream cheese on it? Yeah. So, so this gentleman took it and toasted it. We waited, and then they called us, called her number, and so I went and got it, sat down, and Lyric, you know, she, she, ate, she gave me part of it, and we shared it, and uh, it was so good. <laughs> the guy toasted it, I'm telling you, to perfection. Sometimes with a, with a bagel, you could burn the bottom of it, and you know what I'm saying? He didn't do that. He did this with perfection. So I got up and I said, I went up to the counter. It was right around closing time, so they were cleaning up, you know. And I said, excuse me, is the guy that heated up my bagel back there? And they went, yeah. I said, can I talk to him? And he, he kind of looked out the back and I said, my granddaughter just told me, and I agree, this is the best bagel in the history of the world. <laughs> he went. They were so panicky. They don't do that. They do that. I want to give you a piece of my mind. You little man, man, man. So there, I was at Lion's Choice, and uh, this guy got on their hello, and he was—he just was velvety. He's a radio. He had a radio. He had a voice for radio, and uh, and he was walking me through it. Now let me just get your order right. Now you want and you wanted these particular and these two condiments, and you wanted two and two, correct? Yeah. And I said, yeah. So I said. So I asked the lady again, I said, hey, is the guy that took my order back there? And she went, yes. I said, I just want to tell him how awesome he is. So he stuck his head out. And he, and he, and he looked like he sounded. He was just velvety, you know. <laughs> hey, you know. And uh, Can I just encourage you guys, you know, the miracle of a biblical life is as much output as much as it is rece receiving. I'm not just talking about I want to get in on the, what am I what am I in this for to get for myself? 
It's, 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 um, it's that, that outflow. You know, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Uh, Jesus said that uh, these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And he said these rivers of living water will flow up and then flow out of you. There, there's, there's to be an overflow, right? So, um, verse 10, give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another in honor. I think if there's more of this, it can offset the caustic scenario that's going on in the world today. Right, at least it ought to be in our households and in our in our church body, and in our community. And I'm believing that God will touch our region. I'm so thankful I'm planted in this heartland. I love this place I live in, even though it's 18 degrees outside. Um, I'm I'm okay with it. Eventually, it'll be 108, and it will be 99% humidity. So just quit whining. Okay. Uh, verse 11: Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. So when Lisa was singing about fire in us, God wants us to, uh, to be uh, earnest in our application and effort and fervent, fervency. Um, Jesus said, the zeal of your house has consumed me. Jeremiah said about the Bible, it's like fire shut up in my bones. It's the opposite of apathy. And th- this is really where we need to be in these upcoming days in 2022. And let's believe God. We won't lag behind in diligence, uh, but we'll be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging behind in diligence. The hand of the diligent will rule. People, let me tell you, employers are looking for people that are diligent. And in today's world, look, if if you can put up and deliver, that may be better than a lot of accolades and pedigrees. I mean, at this point, people need people that are diligent. And so God is calling us not to lag behind in this vital area. It doesn't mean we're frenetic, nervous, spinning our wheels, uh, overly exerting. That's not what is being advocated. What's being advocated is just to make our blows count. Paul said, I, when I box, I don't want to flail my arms in the air. I want to make my blows count. I, when I'm running, I want to run to win, right? Um, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It's all about unto him. You know, we're, we're work, our work is unto the Lord. We do our work as heartily as unto the Lord, right? For that, for that audience of one. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. That's a good one, isn't it? I think you do that a lot, LaDonna. You rejoice in hope. You've got an orientation, um, where you are hopeful, and it shows, you know. I see that, I see that on so many of you, Kathy, Debbie, I see that on, a, on, 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 it's Vicki and Joe, all you, I could, I, I probably need to name off everybody in here, um, because you are, you're rejoicing in hope. We're not morbid. Even at a funeral, we're not morbid. We're more like New Orleans with a Dixieland band celebrating that person is present with the Lord. Right? Persevering in tribulation. Persevering in tribulation. Man, that's, oh, well, it is what it is. I'm going to keep going. And devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. Man, we need to pray about everything. There's so many scriptures about this, and I don't have time to read all of them, but... Philippians 4, 
It says in the New Living Translation, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Right? Devoted. Everybody say devoted to prayer. And if you ever, man, before a service, if I, you know, for the preacher, whoever's preaching, and when I, in case it's me, I want you to pray for me about this. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, devote yourselves to prayer. Same, it's echoing what he says in Romans. Be devoted to prayer, devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So praying for me at the same time as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. I think it would be wisdom. If you get a good bagel, track down, track down the chef and commend he or she for the job well done. Well, it's just a bagel, Pastor Jeff. Don't be patronizing. They're not hearing it enough. They're not, they're not, there's an honor deficit right now, guys. If, and, and I mean, and again, let love be without hypocrisy. It's not like, oh, it's just so, you know. We don't need to speak in superlatives because that blows our witness. You overpraise, you cheapen it. So it's, but it's, so it's got to be real. You got to mean it. So just get a bead on people. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Pick up a phone. Make a call. Write an email. Send a text. Tell somebody. Hey, man, two years ago, I was struggling. You prayed for me, and you know what? I got the answer. I, you know, there was a guy in the church. We were fighting the fight of faith for him. He had a cancer situation. He said, oh, yeah, Pastor Jeff, I got healed. Uh, and it was a really amazing testimony. I said, and he said, two years ago. I said, why didn't you tell me then? <laughs> I guess I needed it at that time. Um, verse 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. You know, the Bible in another verse says, be hospitable without complaint. I think you could overdo that hospitality. And I think it's when you start getting tempted to complain. It's like, I'm just like, and then you're overextending. So, so be, have spiritual finesse in your hospitality. We should be hospitable. Not inhospitable. We should be loaded with hospitality, right? But not to the point where we burn ourselves up. And it's practicing hospitality. So it's how you cultivate it, how you do it. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Verse 14, look at this. Bless those who persecute you. What? Did that say that there? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Did you hear that? People that bug you the most need you the most. They need you to be in prayer. God, I pray you bless her right now in the name of Jesus. Right? Isn't that great prayer? God, God's going, why are you gritting your teeth, bro? Because I have a bad attitude. Oh, I can see that. Bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I talked to a businessman, high-level success businessman, and I said, the world has it flipped. The world is jealous when people have success, and they laugh when people fail. 
And he said, that's exactly, he saw that in his own culture of his work. I said, in the kingdom, though, we're actually to cultivate an attitude where when we see somebody get a breakthrough, we just get real happy for them. Because we know that, that, that their time came and they needed that. And that, by the way, that God is our God. So that what comes around, he'll get it around to us, right? Our day's coming, right? Re- say this with me. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I remember when my dad died and, uh, and my brother and I were spending the night at the hospital on those little cramped couches and we were praying and trying to get him raised up and, and, and he, he passed. And um, we comforted each other and then I called uh, my friend Bayless Conley and I told him my dad died and all I could hear was him crying on the other end of the phone. He didn't have a word to say to me. I just, he just, you know, he just, I could hear him. He just got choked up. I suppose that's really what I needed. And just somebody to weep with those who weep. And when Bob Basson's mother died, he called me from uh, the airport. He was saying, my, dad, my, my mother died. Pastor Jeff, what do I do? I said, oh, man. You know, I just didn't know. I didn't have anything cute to say to him. I just listened to him and I prayed for him. And my heart was heavy. She was such a fantastic for lady, Canadian lady from Calgary who raised, who, who married a, a goalie and raised, you know, gruff hockey players. But she was beautiful, mighty Christian. Well, just a little while later, then our dad died. So I called Bob. I said, Bob, does it get any better? And he says, yeah, it gets better. And I just never forget that, you know. Pastor Jeff just needed a, somebody to just... So that just cared, right? I think we'll go a long way in this global harvest and world revival and move of the spirit if we get a hold of these simple essentials. Like don't lag behind in diligence, devoted to prayer. Can you, are you guys with me? You mind if we just kind of get this list? You, you know, there's a simpler list in, Math, in Micah 6, 8. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. It, this is just a restatement of the same It's a reiteration of the same thing. It's a New Testament bump up of the same Old Testament truth, right? So there are folks here from Eastern Europe, and this is the culture of the kingdom. You guys are from Hungary, so you speak Hungarian, and I don't. But you also are born-again believers, and you do speak the culture of the kingdom. And Asher Ben Ruby is part Jewish, and he's part Greek. So he is, he's like full spectrum, uh, major, super cool. They ought to have a statue made out of this guy for this guy. He's like part Alexander the Great and part, you know, Moses. And so it's awesome. <laughs> but we already knew that. And, uh, you know, things have been taught to us. Things have been taught to us that emanate out of the, this Bible, the Judeo-Christian, listen, like it or not, culture... Western culture, this is the best thing going in Western culture. This is what gave us justice. This is what gave us mercy. This is what gives us uh, ethics. This is what gives us do's and don'ts that are clear as a bell. We just got to do them, right? We just have to do them. It does make you happy. Um. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, 
but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So that verse 16, you could just park there for a little while and meditate on that. It just kind of tells you how to, you know, my dad, and he worked in aerospace for 42 years, and I went to some of his events. I mean, his, the president of his company at one point was an astronaut. You know, there's some like, kind of some posh kind of scenarios. But everywhere I went with, and my brother can attest to this, he treated everybody with value. He um, never got too big for his britches. So when he came into our church, he was already carrying some of this. His mother was a born-again Christian, spirit-filled Christian. And I think that uh, he got a lot of that from his sweet mother. Um, Don't you? And uh, she was just a patient, godly woman that that walked him through, uh, you know, his whole teenage years in the hospital in Texas fighting cancer. And, uh, yeah, I'm not making a big hero thing out of him, but it's just kind of cool to see how God really took hold of him. And in the end, he would drive around with John Moore in his uh, pearl-painted Lexus two-door retirement sports car with shovels sticking out of the back of the window, driving on the levee. And he kept telling, he would tell my, he would tell John, he said, let's see what this baby can do. And he would, he would just speed up and down. It was like, it was like, it was like the wild west because it was, uh, the, the, the mayor basically declared like, uh, um, I don't know, it was, it was just the state of things. So he would just speed up and down. And, and it's funny because when he died, Chesterfield police uh, blocked the Highway 40 and blocked all the roads. And I was, I was thinking, man, if they knew how many times he was speeding through here, they would not have done this. They'd have, they'd have taken his license away, you know. But he, uh, hey, I'm grateful I had a, 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 a dad that, uh, that walked in these characteristics. I think around the flood time, these things were really important that they be exemplified because they didn't know us from Adam and we would show up to help and they, um, we needed to earn the right to speak into the people's lives. And so it was through two years of super hard work. With Kosovo, it was 20 years of super hard work that really earned us this next increment. And now this outstanding national pastor is broadcasting the gospel to that southern part of Europe that Paul aspired to preach to. Um, verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. I'm coming to a conclusion. But I want to read you something from the New American Standard, 1 Corinthians 13:5. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. So here's what I want to say to you about being renewed. If some of you have been tempted to be bitter, my wife and I were talking about this, you got to overcome it because God wants to anoint you and use you and you mess it up when you carry bitterness. We mess it up when we carry bitterness. So Paul, he's saying here, divine, the divine love of God in our heart and life as a fruit of the Spirit does not count up the evil done to it with a view to settling the account. 
Love does not enter offenses into a notebook for future revenge. Love keeps no record of evil done to it. It has no memory of injuries. In fact, love is a poor accountant. It would prefer to leave a blank page in our memory bank than to record all the distasteful things that happened to us. Thank the Lord for such a poor bookkeeper as divine love. Even God decided to throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Who's glad for mercy? Now, who's so fancy pants and perfect that you just, it's all about justice. You're just so, you don't even need mercy because you're so amazing. Don't raise your hands because that's a, that's a, that's a trick question. Because everybody say, I'm all about mercy. If you show mercy, you'll be shown mercy too, right? So never take your own revenge, beloved. It says in verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I've learned this in my marriage, just to look for peace. And um, not appeasement, but to really look for, you know, where can we get back to the love walk here? Where, where can we work through this and not be all jacked up, right? Um, verse 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I close with that. The miracle of a biblical life is to take hold of this. He showed you, oh man, what, is the, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with the Lord. So homework, figure out how to outdo one another in showing honor. Who will... If you catch somebody doing something right, um, with wisdom, affirm that. Who, who will look for an opportunity to say, man, you know what? Nicely done. You know, just, I mean, just an acknowledgement. Even in, the, even in driving. You know, you're trying to get out on the highway and everybody's, and, but, the, but one person slows down to let you out. Man, you want to you wanna say thanks, Right? You want to say thank you. You want to get, like, flip them a gift card from uh, Best Buy or something. Here, go buy a new stereo. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Let's all stand up on our feet. That'd be cool. If on the 6 o'clock news, there's a driver driving around giving Best Buy cards for people to buy stereos. Look at somebody and say, it's been an honor sitting next to you. Say, I'm honored by your presence with your rhinoceros hide and heart of a dove. Say this with me. I'm a love creature. I'm different than I used to be. I am growing up in the Lord. I am his workmanship. He's the potter. I'm the clay. I intend to yield to my God. In these upcoming days, he's going to have his way in my life. 
I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I'm walking in mercy. I forgive everybody. I refuse to be bitter. I walk the love walk. Jesus is Lord of my life. I will walk with him all the days of my life. For the rest of my days, I'm developing in the fruit of the Spirit. My mind is being renewed. My heart is activated. I'm rejoicing in hope because my God is going to see me through on all the battles of life because in Him, I am more than a conqueror. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.